What a cool passage. Isn't it cool? There's like three people smiling at me, swurrying. This is an awesome passage. When I realized I was getting to preach on this passage, I was like, woohoo! Is that how you feel about hearing me speak now? Some of you, some of you, some of you are going, oh no, not quite sure about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for all of your words, the words of truth and the words of life. And we pray now as we look at this small section of the words that you spoke and continue to speak through John's gospel, we pray that you would bring them alive for us and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, be at work to help us understand the depth and the height and the length and the strength of your work in our lives tonight. Amen. So, it's important to know the context of this passage. At the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus is having this wonderful celebratory meal. The Passover was like the biggest festival for the Jewish people. So they're all thinking, yeah, this is great. We're celebrating God's goodness. We're doing it with our lovely friend Jesus. And he drops the bombshell. I'm leaving. The disciples freak out a little bit because they don't want Jesus to go. They don't want him to leave them behind or to leave them alone. And so suddenly their hearts are full of grief and fear. And that is the context into which Jesus speaks these incredible words about the Holy Spirit. The promise of Jesus is that despite his leaving, he is going because then the Holy Spirit can come and fill their lives so that they each are living this abundant life that we've been looking at as the title of our series for the whole of John's Gospel in the Holy Spirit's power and love. The Holy Spirit is not a secondary substitute. The Holy Spirit is an equal person of the Godhead. It's not like, well, I'm going away, but here we go. Here's my second. No. Jesus says, this is good. The Holy Spirit will come and fill you and your life will be better. Because through him, we will be with you forever. He speaks directly to that fear. I might be leaving in physical form, but we are coming to live and make our home with you forever. You will never be alone. You will never be apart from me. Is that comforting? It was for them. And it's the reason why John writes it, so that we too can know this comfort, know this presence, know this power. We've called the whole series Abundant Life because this one verse from John chapter 10, verse 10 says that Jesus comes to give us life in all its fullness, the abundant life. Now, 
It would be easy because we're human beings to think that that means, great, God's just going to bless me. The abundant life is, is wealth, health, happiness, all of those good things. But in reality, I really believe that this passage teaches us what the abundant life Jesus is coming to bring is actually all about. In one word, it is about a life full of God. A life full of God. That is the abundant life. Jesus explains it in this way because it is a gift from God, a gift of Himself. The Holy Spirit comes to live in each one of us, in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, in our thinking, in our feeling, in our expression, in our words. But this gift is more than just Holy Spirit. Because one of the other reasons this is just a gorgeous passage is that it, it kind of it tells us about the Trinity without ever using that word. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit coming, but he's also explaining that he and the Father are one and that they will come together with the Holy Spirit in order to dwell in those who believe and follow. And so all together we are talking here about the triune God living inside you and me. Does it get more awesome than that? So Jesus explains in a a number of ways, and there are three things I particularly want to say because I'm Anglican. Um, They don't all start with the same letter, but we'll go with three things. The first thing is that this gift from God is all about relationship. It is not a gift that is just given, and then we go, thank you very much, uh, and then we operate out of it. It's not the Holy Spirit coming to live in us, and then we ignore him. It is a relationship. And it's a relationship of two-way engagement. In verse 15 and then verse 21 and then verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, or he makes this reference to following and living obedient lives. This incredible gift of the Holy Spirit living in us is about honestly and wholeheartedly those seeking to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not something to be grasped at. He cannot be bought or even earned by good works. He is a free gift, one for us. The door was opened by Jesus who died on the cross and who rose again. The indwelling of the triune God in us is received only by those of us who truly want a relationship with God, which includes living in obedience to him. Now, that doesn't mean that when we make mistakes, when we are distracted or led astray, that we lose this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has opened that door for us and no misdemeanor of ours can close it. But the reality is, if we choose to ignore the commands of Jesus, 
if we go our own way, if we do our own thing, if we refuse to actually listen or engage, then what happens is we stifle or we quench the Holy Spirit. We pour water on his fire. He wants to bring fullness of life, fullness of a relationship with the triune God into our lives for the amazing things that come out of that. But it begins with us being ready to be surrendered to him. And if we're not, if we're not prepared to live first in obedience, then we can't ever fully experience and receive and grow in the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to. A bit like that picture at the beginning of the service, John shared it, of the ships with the sails. If we don't put them up, if we don't say, Lord, you take me where you want me to go. Lead me, guide me, shape my life in the way you want it to be. Help me to be obedient to you. Then we'll never really go where God wants us to go. Our sin can limit what the Holy Spirit is able to do in our lives. But his presence can never be taken away from us. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? Even if I run a million miles from it, if I go down to the depths of the sea, if I climb the highest mountain, if I go to the furthest shore, even there, your hand, your presence, your spirit will find me. The Holy Spirit is immediately available as soon as we turn to him because his heart is for relationship with us. This relationship is transformational. We might not be very good at keeping all of his commands. We might struggle with the obedient life. We might find the things in our lives are just really difficult to overcome. And we know that we are weak. But this is the whole point. If we are striving to, if we are trying, if we are heart focused on living obedient lives in the way that Jesus has taught us to, then the Holy Spirit is able to do his sanctifying work. The Holy Spirit is able to strengthen us, to help us form the good habits that do make for a life of obedience to Jesus and his commands. The Holy Spirit empowers us if we let him. A simple shift of our heart attitude can make all the difference. Holy Spirit can wake us up to more than we can ask or imagine. So that instead of going through our ordinary days with our mediocre efforts and strength and perfections, we go through those everyday experiences, everyday challenges, being a little bit strengthened by him more and more 
each day. The second thing Jesus teaches in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Verses 15 again and verse 26. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will remind you and teach you all of the things that I have said. Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks. If we are listening, we will hear his voice because his voice is the same voice as the Father and the Son. And so it is that Holy Spirit reminds and teaches us as disciples of Jesus Christ about all the things that Jesus said while he was walking the earth. Holy Spirit will teach the same truths that Jesus shared in the Gospels. And if we are seeking to live our lives in obedience to him, then we will find that we practice listening. I wonder if you've had that experience of hearing the still, small voice of God. Perhaps sometimes you've been praying and a particular verse has suddenly come to mind. Or you've been praying for somebody else and God um, just seems to prompt you in a particular way to pray for them. Or if you're making a decision and you don't quite know what to do and you're wrestling with that and asking God and somehow he speaks into that situation. Or perhaps even there's a familiar bit of passage of scripture that you have read lots of times before but Just that one time, something about it makes sense in a different way. And you kind of just feel that that's a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation and insight that can only come from the Holy Spirit. Or at other times, and in some cases, there's a way in which God seems to work prophetically. The Holy Spirit gives you a word or a picture for somebody either that you don't know at all or something about them that you should not know but somehow God has revealed to you. Words, pictures, other languages well up inside us. Often as we worship and as we pray, as we draw near to God, the Holy Spirit is able to speak more clearly to us because we have a heart attitude that is focused on listening All of these ways are legitimate ways in which the Holy Spirit speaks to us, doing exactly what Jesus said he would do, reminding us of the things that Jesus has said, the things from Old Testament history that God has said for centuries before. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truth, shows us the ways in which we perhaps are not going in the right direction. And he corrects us. Sometimes we can be scared of hearing Holy Spirit's voice because we don't want to be corrected. Sometimes we're afraid of what God might say. And I remember when I was a bit younger that I used to be frightened about going to have prayer ministry because I thought maybe somebody with a prophetic gift would see into my heart. And I knew that there were things that God really needed to correct in me. 
But the thing is, conviction, when it comes from the Holy Spirit, that correcting of things that are not quite right, it is never diminishing or damaging to us. Holy Spirit words of correction are somehow affirming and loving. Somehow Holy Spirit is able to bring blessing and goodness even when he puts us in our place. I wanted to share a little story with you about this so that you don't have any illusions about me being in any way more holy than anybody else because I really am not a few months ago, I was having a particularly judgmental season, uh, probably about four or five days where I was especially judgmental. And um, there's a, a gathering of um, church leaders in Reading that, that meets to pray. And um, one or two of the other church leaders have got rather nice cars. One of them's got a Porsche. And um, <clears throat> it just been niggling at me. Pete, are you laughing? Because was, this was a conversation with you, wasn't it? I don't know if you remember, yeah. Um, And it just really niggled me. To be perfectly honest, part of it was judgment. Part of it was probably a bit jealousy. Honesty there. Um, I I was walking through this car park and I was chatting with Pete and, in fact, Fiona as well. And um, and I just said, do you know what? I just don't think it's right for Christians to own Porsches. A Rolls Royce, that would be fine. Yes. Absolutely, Penny. I was just like, you know, all of that money, £100,000 on a car, you know, like all of that money could be given to the poor and done, you know, really, really good things for God's kingdom with. And, um, and I, I kind of, you know, felt really justified and pious. And um, a few hours later, because the Holy Spirit is good this way, he just said to me, Joy, you bought a new phone last week, didn't you? I was like, Yeah. And did you go for the one that was just what you needed and not the expensive one? Or did you go for the expensive one that was flashy and nice and had all the bells and buttons on it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. (laughs) And it was just like the Holy Spirit saying to me, come on, don't judge other people. That's between me and them. And you did exactly the same thing in a different way of using the money God had blessed you with to get something that you would get pleasure from. And maybe that's all it was for this other person. Are we ready to be teachable, to allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to let the truth of Jesus however uncomfortable it may be, impact and shape our lives to transform us. Because that is the way in which we move forwards into the abundant life of true partnership with God and a constant learning and growing as his disciples. The third thing is advocate. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as our advocate, our counsellor. And he says that this Holy Spirit advocate will 
bring the peace, a peace that the world cannot understand, which will mean that anything that comes into our lives will not trouble us or pull us down. This is a strong promise of Jesus. An advocate is a legal representative. Someone who will argue on your behalf or represent your needs and your perspective in important situations. They sit next to you. They always have your best interests at heart. Jesus says the abundant life is full of his peace because we will have an advocate who stays with us and is always on our side forever. This is not the same thing as Jesus promising us an easy life or a long life. He promises that he will be with us whatever comes. The Holy Spirit will be our advocate He will guide us through whatever life brings. In the teaching of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is prompting and reminding us of, we find hope in times of discouragement. We find wisdom that comes from the whole of the biblical history, which helps us with Holy Spirit guidance and direction to walk the good path that God has prepared for us. And it is the spirit of truth, the our advocate of truth, who helps us to see ourselves the way God sees us, to know our true identity as beloved children of God. He is our advocate who sits with us in the court proceedings of adoption as God's children. He will not leave us as orphans. We are the children of God. And the best way for us to grasp what that means or how we live it out is by allowing the Holy Spirit to be that advocate who sits next to us in our courtroom as we are declared the adopted children of God all that comes from him, his love, his power, his ability to work in us and through us to do even more than we can ask or imagine. When we know these truths clearly in our mind, then we find we're able to believe the promises of Jesus and trust his giftings so that we step out in faith And do things that are way beyond our abilities and capacity. We find that when stuff happens in life, when things go wrong, when we grieve, when we're disappointed, frustrated, even in those situations, because the advocate is with us always, because we are God's children, our hearts are not troubled. A few weeks ago during half term, um, I was working and my dad had come to look after my two children. 
And on Monday, lunchtime, I got that phone call that every parent dreads. My dad rang me in a bit of a state because my 10-year-old son had had an accident. He'd fallen down a hill, hit his leg against a tree, and was severely injured. He actually needed rescuing by the air ambulance because they were on the towpath, and the ambulance can't go down the towpath. So I'm on the phone to my dad. I can hear his anxiety and worry. I can't quite hear Jesse in the background because um, I think my dad had moved away from him. But what I can hear is the person who had been walking by at the time of the accident, talking to him, calming him down and saying to my dad, you need to put the phone down to your daughter now and ring the ambulance. (laughs) And everything within me as a parent is kind of going, ah! And yet somehow, even while I had to put the phone down and not know what was going to happen next, I had complete peace. Somehow, I knew that God was already ahead of me, fighting for my son. I knew inwardly that he would be okay. And for all the half an hour that it took for me to drive around to Sonning Lock and then walk along the towpath to meet them, I was completely calm, much more calm than I should have been. The abundant life, full of the Holy Spirit, is not one without challenge or difficulty, but it is one that is full of peace so that our hearts do not need to be troubled. Facing every circumstance in the knowledge that we are God's beloved children, that he is partnered with us, he is on our side, going ahead of us, fighting for us. Those truths we know with certainty in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit who is teaching us this truth about God and is pouring his peace into our hearts. And so, let's all take comfort from these words tonight. We have an advocate who will never leave us. We have the Holy Spirit, a full person of the Godhead, living in us. And as we rely on him more, our weaknesses are built up into his strengths. We will be transformed more in the likeness of Jesus every day that we choose to turn to him. So will we choose obedience and relationship with the Holy Spirit in us? Will we choose to have teachable spirits, to allow him to speak, to listen carefully and regularly? Will we trust him to empower us so that in his strength, we can do great things for the kingdom? And will we receive from him that sonship And that incredible peace beyond understanding. 
This is the abundant life. A life full of the Holy Spirit. Amen.